Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm Grant, I'm your host today. With me, I got Joe Bostic. He's a district chief for Palm Beach County Fire Rescue in Florida, and we're going to be talking about a grab that was made on March 9th of 2023. So, uh, welcome Joe, how you doing? Great, how you doing? Good. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I, I'm a district chief at Palm Beach County Fire Rescue. I, I recently was promoted about three months ago from the rank of battalion chief. And I, I've been uh, on this department for 20 years, um, heavily involved in, in the training and uh, specifically like live fire training. I run our captain's officer development Academy uh, within Palm beach County and, and anything that has to do with on duty training, I'm, I'm pretty much involved in it. And uh, tell us a little bit about your fire department. So, we are Palm Beach County Fire Rescue. We we cover eighteen about approximately eighteen hundred square miles, and we have about eighteen hundred personnel. Uh, we have forty nine fire stations, and we cover pretty much from from the Broward County and Palm Beach County line from Boca Raton all the way up to Jupiter, all the way out east to the beaches, and all the way out out west to um, uh, the glades like Bell Glade and Pahokee. So um, and we 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 serve over just over a million people in our population. So what's what's great about our fire department, our districts is is that we have everything right. So we the, the thing that we have the least of is probably like high rises because uh, all, all the fire departments out east, um, like uh, city of Del Rey, city of Boynton, city of Boca. But we are always going in there for mutual aid, but they have all the high rises out east. But we have you know, low income housing to McMansions to, you know, rails to Turnpike and 95. We just, we, we have uh water rescue, we dive teams, USAR teams. So we're, we're pretty, uh, we're, we're pretty good on, on, on everything that we, we, we do. And, um, in the areas that we serve, it's pretty, it's pretty cool department to work for, you know, uh, tell us about your search culture within Palm beach. Well, our, our search culture is we, we typically run, um, we obviously, we, and down in South Florida, we have rescues, right? So for, for those across the nation that, that don't know what rescues are, rescues are pretty much, um, I don't want to say the word ambulance, right? But they're beefed up ambulances. We have an officer on that truck with the lieutenants, and then we have two firefighters that are along with them. And they do truck company functions. We do have um, truck companies, uh, but our search culture is typically done by the rescues on scene uh first do rescue according to our sogs is is considered to do the primary search and um it's tick oriented slash split search so pretty much the lieutenant has the tick and they're oriented to the tick in the wall and then they they send the two uh the firefighters to go search and like almost like a split search thing but they are oriented to uh, to voice and the tick and the wall but uh we're, we're pretty aggressive like i said we have uh we have a vast area that we we cover, so pretty much we're we're pretty aggressive, and um, you know we have a, actually. It's funny that you say search culture. We have a class. Uh, our Captain Lowe and his son Lieutenant Lowe, they they come up with this class um, that our training and safety division is putting on called search culture. They say do it right, but you know we teach targeted searches, VES, uh, oriented search, 
so on and so forth. So we have, we 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 have a really good understanding of what what search is, you know. Nice. How long ago did you start that like search culture program or start kind of this new emphasis on search within your department? So we that 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 class is new, right? But search is not new to Palm Beach County Fire Rescue. So we've been offering classes called ISOPs, right? Initial company operations. But we we have been trying to hammer home you know, search techniques as a, a lot of us go to these conferences and, and Palm Beach County is very good on letting us bring back what we've learned from these conferences and teach it to our battalions and our districts and stuff like that. So, you know, VES we've been doing for a while, targeted searches we we've, we've, we know about. Um, and sorry about that, but we, we, we have, it's, it's, it's new. The, the search culture class is new, but it, it's, you know, the search culture we we've been growing as the fire service has been growing how do you how do you guys bridge uh the older guys that have been on the job for a while that maybe that's never the way we've done it we've gone right hand or left hand uh and this is how we do it compared to maybe the last five years where where we've been pushing search culture so big in the in the fire service so that it's funny you ask that because uh you're involved in training so you you know training doesn't you know, like, like a culture doesn't happen overnight. Right. So we do have, uh, a, our, our older people that have been serving us for over 20 years, they have been taught that, you know, blacked out two man connected search, but that's just not how we do searches anymore. Right. So there is a buy-in process that has to go on with everything. And, and since we are so huge at Palm Beach County, we do have all these on-duty trainings that, you know, show the new hose loads that come out and the new search techniques. So it is a process. I'm not going to say that they just see it and they buy into it overnight, but it is, it is a work in pro progress and it is a process to get um, people, you know, they don't know what they don't know. So if they haven't seen it before, they're like, hey, this is what we're doing now. And we're like, yeah, this this is what we're doing now, you know. So it, it's been good as long as the the training is coming from a good place and and we deliver it in an efficient way. People seem to buy in, you know. And, and the, the biggest part is it works, right? It works. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, what about, what are you guys getting on a regular alarm? So our initial alarm, whether, whether it's commercial, high rise, residential apartment, we get three engine companies, two rescue companies, which I talked about earlier, a ladder truck. And then we have the command staff comes as a, a battalion chief. And what we have in Palm Beach County Fire Rescue is uh, EMS captains. And they are, they serve as an incident safety officer on the scene. But our EMS captains in the battalion, we have one battalion chief and one EMS captain per battalion, and they are in charge of everything EMS, but they are the incident safety officer of the battalion and on these emergency calls that we go on. One new question. Do you guys carry cyano kits? So, yep. And that's a lesson learned that I want to talk about on this. What We have one cyano kit per EMS captain. Cool. All right. Let's jump in. March 9th, 2023. Take us to this call. So... March 9th. So I, I'm recently promoted as district chief. So district chiefs don't typically um, are in command of residential structure fires. That is by default go, goes to the battalion chief. Just so happens the battalion chief went to a class that day. So I was covering the battalion. So it was about 930 in the morning. And uh, we get we get a uh, yes, familiar with pulse point. Right. So a lot of us have pulse point where like it might come off maybe like 20 to 30 seconds before we actually get the call. So pulse point comes across my phone and I'm like, Hey, I, I yell, uh, his name is Eric. He, he's the EMS captain that was working that day. I'm like, Hey, we got a fire. It says Boca Raton. So we get on our trucks. We're going right. When I start my car, boom, the call comes out. 
and it comes in as a residential structure fire. And, and you know, you, you've been in the fire service for a while. Um, you know, so we, we, we go to fire fires, we treat them all the same, right? So whether it's nothing showing or whether it's something, there was something to this call though, right? Because the supplement was saying, hey, we the house is on fire. The car is starting to, to catch fire in front of the house. So in your mind, you know, okay, man, this, this is real. When you have multiple calls on something and, and, you, and they say flame showing, it's something real. Also, um, the supplement was uh, there was one occupant trapped. So right away, right? This is, this is, this is what we train for. This is what, why we do this job. So we have an occupant trapped and we have fire on the supplement. So EMS captain was heads up. He called for additional rescue. And on this, this call was probably less than two miles away from uh, our station, right? And the first due engine that was a, that that zone was in, they were clearing a medical call on the north end of their zone. And this was on the south end of their zone. So they would have been on scene first had they been at their station. Um, but, you know, we, uh, me and them would have been in a race because I'm in an SUV. But uh, when I was going to that call, there was a whole bunch of um, construction going on around the area. Uh, roads were being paved. And then we see this uh, li uh, little column of smoke, right? So it kind of, as a first due officer going on scene, you have so much information that you're filtering, right? You have so many things that that's going through your head. So now I'm starting to see construction and I'm starting to see front loaders and so on and so forth. And now I see this column, everything that this fire is telling me, you know, heavy flames, cars catching on fire. But for some reason at construction, all that stuff that was going on when we were pulling into the development, it threw me for a loop. So I'm like, Hey, is this column coming from a front loader? Or is this really the house? Sure enough, boom, go down the street, which is a narrow street. The development is like a circle. And uh, I pull past the house. I, I parked like four houses away in the driveway. Um, but I have the single story residential and there's heavy flames showing from the Alpha Delta room. So there was a big bay window on the front of this house. And from top to bottom, just heavy flames coming out of that. And then I had smoke coming out of all the eaves and the car that was parked in the driveway, it was starting to light off also. So my mind is, you know, occupant, occupant. So I get out and um, I see EMS 57 coming down the street and I see ladder 57. So our station um, that, that we run out of, we are, we have a battalion chief and EMS captain, myself, and we also have a ladder and, and a rescue. So, I see the ladder rolling down the street and EMS 57 coming down the street. So I say, hey, EMS 57, your safety, uh, ladder 57, fire attack. So I run um, around to the backside to get my 360. And as I'm going around the backside, there's a front loader parked in the back backyard. And the driver of the front loader that I later, later learned, that's who he was. But when I when I ran around on the backside of the house, this bystander was on the threshold of the Charlie side coming out of like, they had like a little Florida room, like a little patio area um, with a slider on it. And he was, he was dragging this uh, middle-aged um, kind of heavy set guy. He was dragging him out of the house. The guy that he was dragging out of the house um, was severely burned. He had uh, soot all over his face and the guy that was dragging him out, when he was dragging him out, he kind of collapsed next to him because he took in some smoke. He saw the he saw the uh, the victim laying laying, I think he said, within like four feet of the exit. He saw him there. He dragged him. But in the process of him dragging him out, he took in some smoke also. 
And the victim, he was severely burnt. He looks right at me and he says, my mom is in my, that house. My mom is in the house. So I said, okay, your, your mother's in the house. W what room is your mother in? And he pointed to the Charlie Delta bedroom. So immediately I, I changed um, assignments and I said, ladder five, seven, come to the Charlie side for a pretty much targeted search, right? The problem with that was that window from the Charlie Delta bedroom where, where this victim said that his mother was at, it was black from top to bottom. It was black. Cause so, so I'm, I'm thinking VES, but the good thing is, is it also had an entry. It had a slider entry on the side of the, the bedroom. So we had two access points to that bedroom. So I told EMS five, seven or the safety officer, I said, come to the back, you're medical. We have a patient back here. And I had ladder five, seven come to do a targeted search to that Charlie bedroom. I ran around front. Now I have some units starting to pour in. So my, my, my engine five, three, who should have been first due, but they were on the North side of their zone. They come screaming in and I bypassed fire attack to them, which was a second due suppression. And I said, engine five, three, your fire attack. And right behind them was engine five, eight. So by the time I said that engine five, three, your fire attack, I, I ran to the Charlie side again, and the window, the Charlie Delta bedroom window where, where the, the patient was at or the victim was at was, was starting to fail and flames were starting to come out of the top top of the uh, window. So ladder five, seven, instead of going through that window, I, I told them to go through the slider. So when they opened up that slider, they went to try to, to go in and uh, the captain on ladder five, seven said it, it was like a blowtorch. So the flow path that happened from the, the bystander when he opened up that slider in the back, when he opened up that, that heavy fire that was on the alpha side just started screaming to the Delta. And, and plus it was, it was going for a while because we had smoke coming out, heavy smoke coming out from all the eaves. So he could not get into that Charlie Delta bedroom. The cap, the ladder five, seven couldn't from the slider. So he tried to go into a, a slider on the Charlie side. So, <laughs> This is this is this is uh, kind of crazy because we we knew we had heavy fire. I I knew I had a victim coming to the scene, but now I get on scene, and not only do I have one victim that was dragged out, but he tells me I have another victim inside. Well, ladder five seven, since they couldn't get into that room because of how the heat conditions, when they went around to try to get to the hallway, they come across another victim, right? So now we have three victims that that we that that we're dealing with. So I. Engine five eight arrived on scene, and we're resource limited. This is this is happening like this, and and, and I'm going to go over the times in a second. But engine five eight comes down the scene, uh, arrives on scene, and I'm like, hey, the drivers were getting water, so we had a hydrant that was like 50 feet from the house, so they they the water wasn't a problem. But I'm like, hey, I, I have face to face with captain on engine five eight. I'm like, um, go in with a backup line and, and get to the Charlie side and support the rescue efforts because I knew we had multiple victims at this point, right? And I didn't know if there was any more in there or not. But um, so he said, copy. So ladder five, seven, by the time that um, that they tried to go into the other way, they had another victim and they were dragging them out. So I'm, I'm tapped out of units at this point. But I know when when that first victim that was dragged out he literally made eye contact to me and he said, my mother is in this room and EMS five, seven, who was a safety officer. They, 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 they come in full gear and, and they're, they have their SCB on and, and they have a master safety officer. Right. So EMS five, seven was confirming 
um, with with him because we didn't know if he was, you know, smoke drunk or or whatever it was. But he's like, yes, my mother's in that room. So I know I have a victim in that room and and seconds feel like minutes. Minutes feel like hours when you're talking about, you know, you have a victim in the room and you see that that room is heavy, heavy involved. Right. And ladder five, seven comes back. And, and, and when they have their victim, they're, they're like, Hey, there's stuff all over this house. I don't want to say hoarder conditions because it wasn't hoarder conditions, but it was just, you know, it's a lot of content in that house. Just stuff was everywhere in that house. So it wasn't, it wasn't maintained at all. So I don't have any other units on scene. So engine five, three knocked down the fire in the front. And then they, they made their, their way down the hallway and they started knocking that fire down. Well, ladder five sevens in the middle of dragging that second victim out. EMS captain, he's in gear and I see him. I'm like, hey, you got to get in that room and you got to get this victim. Typically, safety officers, we don't assign to go and get grabs, right? We don't assign them for primary search. They're single unit resource, right? But he's all I had. And he was right next to me. The conditions were starting, the, the fire fire was starting to get knocked down. And I could see exactly like into that room now because the, the smoke was starting to raise. And sure enough, he goes in that room. And um, I forgot to tell you about the rescues. Every rescue that, that came on scene, this we had them come to the Charlie side with their stretchers because we had multiple victims. So we had to treat that first victim. We had to treat that bystander that pulled him out. We we treated that second victim. And I had a stretcher there coming around the Charlie side to wait for this, this victim removal. So EMS 5-7, sure enough, they said, hey, I have a victim. And uh, Engine 5-8 captain, the backup line um, that was supporting the efforts, got the got with him. And they they dragged uh, her out, which was she, she was a 98-year-old female at the time. She was so when they when they brought her out, it was it was the worst b burn victim that I've I've ever seen, you know, in real life. And and everything that I was feeling in my stomach at that point in time, it just became true, right? So the the first victim said that his mother's in there. I know his mother's in there. We can't get into that room because it's so heavily involved. So we have to wait until we get that fire knocked down. And when they brought her out, it was just, it was, she, she was black, right? She was breathing. She was alive. So we got her, we got her on a stretcher, the first victim and, and her, they both eventually got airlifted to um, the burn center down South. Uh, and they both received cyano kits that, that, that we'll talk about. But that, that feeling of like, kind of like helplessness, like, man, uh, you know, like what could I have done better to get her out sooner? Um, but she got on the stretcher. He pulled her out. They went right into the rescue and she she was getting she got treated like that. So I do believe that we gave her the best chance of of survival, which we learned she later passed. But the two other victims that got drug out, they 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 are survivors. So after she was she was um, drug out. You know, they got treated the fire. We had two hose lines in there, salvage and overhaul overhaul. But, um, you know, we, we put the fire out. We put all the, uh, you know, the car, the exposure out and everything like that. Pulled a ton of ceilings in that house. It was just heavy content. But ladder five, seven, their 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 um, their victim removal, they said what was was pretty like training, like like pretty black and white, just like training. And uh, this 98 year old female that 
that uh, EMS 5-7 dragged out with the help of the captain from Engine 5-8. Um, they said that like it was just like they just reverted back to their training. It was just they 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 saw her. Boom. He was searching on his hands and knees. He said the tick. It, it was he was trying to wipe it off. He was trying to wipe his mask off. Didn't really do any good in there. And uh, he, he went back to the old school way of, you know, using your hands, searching. And sure enough, right next to the bed is where he found her. And I, I listen to this podcast a lot, and I, and I know one of the questions that you ask are, well, how did the victim feel? Were they slippery, right? And he said that he he didn't even recall her being slippery at all, right? And and when she came out, she had no clothes on. He couldn't recall her being slippery. He just got her under her armpits, and the captain from Engine 58 got her legs, and they just pretty much carried her out and, and put her right on the stretcher, you know? Um I'll, I'll go back to the victim uh, that ladder five seven uh, brought out. He he was laying on the floor supine about twelve feet from the Charlie slider, and I think he was the least severe out of all three victims. And since he was on the floor, I think he was like sleeping on the floor. Right? Um, that's that's kind of what saved him. So he had some burns. He had soot on his face. Um, but he he just got transported to uh, uh, the trauma hospital, but he didn't get airlifted. But they said that when they they got to him, he kind of like woke up and like, oh, he tried to like stand. like he tried to like fight them almost like, you know, whether you're smoke drunk or sleeping or both, you know. Um, but they they got him and they were able to they were able to uh, they were able to drag him out with no issues. Um, but man you want to talk about you're going to a structure fire with a, a known victim that victim turned into three three victims um and and uh, another patient from that bystander that took in some smoke from dragging the first victim out you know it was just a hectic crazy scene dynamic scene you know and all fi and all fires are are kind of you know they're all dynamic but to be first on scene and be the main like decision maker of, of you know who's doing what you want to talk about problems Three victims right away, heavy fire. It's just problem after problem after problem that was just, you know, getting knocked out. So um, I'm proud of the, the way that the, the guys worked. Um, and I'm proud of uh, the organization of the whole thing and how it happened. But it, it it happened, even though I want to say it happened fast, when 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 I'm telling you that, that when I saw her come out of the structure, everything that I was thinking became true, you know? Uh, you mentioned timeline. What what was the timeline on uh, arrival to victim removal and whatnot? So I arrived on scene at 9.49 a.m. Um, the first, when I went on the radio, it was 9.50 a.m. when we had the, the bystander was bringing that first victim out. So 9.50, that second victim was, was dragged out by ladder 57 at 9.52. So two minutes after, right? So we have two victims out. One, two minutes, one, one minute after one, two minutes after the first one was done by the bystander. And then um, victim number three, the 98 year old female that was in the, the heavily involved room, she was out at 9.59. So we had three victims out within nine minutes of, of arrival. It took you longer to explain the story than it did for you guys to actually get victims out, which is just crazy to think how quickly this... Uh unraveled yeah from the ic perspective at what what point did you call for extra resources or know that you'd be resource limited 
So that's that's one of the lessons learned. I, I have I have a rule of thumb and this rule of thumb might be for Palm Beach County because I know what we get on a second alarm. But my rule of thumb is if I need two or more attack lines, I'm calling a second second alarm. If I have two or more victims, I'm calling a second alarm. Or if I have two or more involved floors, like a garden style apartment or something like that, I'm calling a second alarm. I didn't call a second alarm on this fire, and I should have. This was a second alarm fire all day, every day. But we just piecemealed it. So um, the the additional rescue, when when we have an uh, occupant trapped, we call that that additional rescue. But we were just, I was just calling for additional rescues, like right off the bat when when I arrived on scene. When I saw that first victim, and then they said that there was another victim in there, and then ladder five seven said they had another victim. I called for additional um, engine, additional uh, EMS captains, and uh, excuse me, not the EMS captains. I'll tell you about the EMS captains. But then the the additional rescues, like kind of right off the bat, you know. The the EMS captains. So I don't know how your your department is with this, but when we hear a fire, right. Everybody wants to go to these these events, right? So I have EMS captains from different battalions, which are, you know, cities, different cities coming, and they're saying, "Hey, put put you know EMS three four, EMS two eight, put me on this fire, put me on this fire," and I'm sitting there, and because they hear occupant trap, they hear heavy flames, and I'm sitting here. I kept the one that was closest to us, so EMS five seven and EMS four two is just the next 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 do ems captain i kept them coming but i'm sitting here and i'm canceling ems captains well shame on me because what what i learned on this call was that every ems captain they carry just one cyanide kit so now if i have three victims i i have to have three ems captains come to this call so good for me is that we had three ems captains on the call but only two of the victims needed the cyano kit so that's just a lesson learned for me i'm not canceling any ems captain uh, i'm not canceling anybody coming in um i'm just going to keep them coming and and when we need them we're going to use them you know especially the first ems captain on scene he went inside and that's you know not really that's not really something that we typically do uh, on structure fires we don't typically send a safety officer inside to get a, in a get a grab you know um, this is the, this is the thing that kept me up for like the, the next two or three, like the two or three nights. I, I'm, I'm kind of at peace with it right now, but this is the thing from a, from an incident commander standpoint, this is, this is the thing, you know, how, you know, how, how we're really good at Monday morning quarterbacking, right? So, um, the, the thing is, is that when, when you're making all these decisions, you have to make the decisions right now with not all the information, right? It's not, you don't have all the information the next day, all the information, you're going to have it because you know, you, you, you know about the call now. But when I knew that I went uh, around to the Charlie side and did a 360 and I, I knew I had a, a victim um, inside the room and I saw that room started to get heavily involved. I had the wherewithal to get a targeted search in there, but my, I think what I would do if I could do it all over again, instead of telling engine 58 to go to the Charlie side um, to be a backup line to support the rescue, I would have had them actually drag their line to the Charlie side just to hit that room, right? To actively cool that room. So ladder five, seven could have gotten in there and, and got the victim, but that's, that's Monday morning quarterback stuff. And and who knows, they, they might not have got that other victim that we had no idea was in there, but I just like, Man, if I can make one decision or kind of do one decision over again, I would I would get a line because I was thinking that engine five three we had fire attack, but it was so heavy. The fire was so heavy 
that that had they had a lot of fire on the alpha side to put out before they can make it their way down that hallway to the Charlie side to to get it there, you know. So that kind yeah. of and you, that it's funny how you know I think this is episode one hundred six how things start repeating themselves and uh, I think it was one in Escambia County uh, with with Chief Isaacson came on talking about anytime there's a VES going on he wants a line to that window. And that really, that really makes sense that it's not something we think about often. Maybe it doesn't take a whole engine company, but man, maybe if we get that second new engineer stretch, stretch a line just for the protection of the, of the guys going inside or if the room lights off. So that's an awesome point. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. So it's funny because I, I had that in mind, but why did I have him go through alpha? Why didn't I just have him go around and, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's stupid. I don't I don't know what it is. It's just you have so much crap going through your head that, hey, you got to You got to make these decisions now. But it's honestly, it's a lesson learned on my part, you know, so. Well, perfect decisions with imperfect information. I think you nailed it on the head. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your willingness to share the story. You know, it, it, sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get people to. Uh, to give me a call and to record these, but man, we're just trying to do better each time. And if, if we're not learning from what's happening really on the fire ground and we're not honest with what went right and what, what went wrong, we're never going to get better. So uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate you reaching out and, and encourage everybody to do the same. It's pretty easy. This one too difficult to, to get set up and share, but uh, anything else you got? Um, yeah, if you don't mind, I got, I got a, I got a couple of things, um, that, that I wanted to go over, uh, with, with training, right? So we have uh, a burn building, we have a training facility at, at Palm Beach County. And, you know, when we do live burns, we, um, we, we, we do our burns with pallets and hay all the time. Right. But the way that the crews were explaining the actual heat on this fire was just something that I don't think that we can recreate in training. And I think that might be a reason why we don't have hose lines with VES, because when we train in VES, we have a lot of smoke rolling out of that, but it's, it's pallet and hay smoke. We really, I don't think we can recreate the type of heat that like a heavy content house would have, you know? So maybe we can do a, a better job with training instructors, maybe just try to try to recreate that a little bit. And then another thing is that in training sometimes, and I don't know how, how you guys do it, but sometimes when we have like a, we'll have only four crews training and we'll have like three victims. And, and then when they drag a victim out, oh, we'll just send them to a ghost unit. You know, oh yeah, this ghost unit has that. Well, we don't have ghost units in real life, right? We we literally have to have to hand them off to somebody. If we don't hand them off to somebody, then you own you own that patient, you own that life, right? Because that's what we're in. We're, we're, we're in the life-saving business. So um, I think we could do a better better job when, when we set up our training drills and stuff like that to maybe recreate real life, right? So so that thing. And and I wanted to I wanted to touch on uh, culture, if if you don't mind. So you, you asked about search culture, right? And culture is like a um, a topic. It's a it's a word that we that's often used in the fire service. But uh, you were you were asking earlier about like you know how how do the the older guys how do they buy into like you know the new search uh, culture and all this kind of stuff. But in my twenty years experience, I, I do feel like culture is it comes from within, right? So it it's it's all about influence. So it doesn't matter if you have a day on the job or if you have 20 years or 30 years on the job, what's your culture like, right? So so as a firefighter, brand new firefighter, if you have a good culture, if you have a good training culture and you go out and you're, you're throwing ladders or you're, you're sharpening the tools and you're doing that stuff, 
man, some of these older guys are going to come out and say, hey, what are you doing? And, and they'll probably join you, right? Same thing with a captain. If, if, if the, the captain or station officer, they have a good culture, what, what kind of crew do you think they're going to have, right? So culture, you can't rely on, on, on the department to d- always deliver you training or always deliver you the culture that you're looking for. You, you have to have that culture from within. You have to you know, go to these conferences, go, go, go get this education, get this training on your own. If you're only relying on on-duty training, it's kind of like bare minimum, right? You, you got you to go get this stuff on your own, create that culture within yourself, and then you'll see that you're going to be around like-minded people more often than so, and then you will create a culture within that station, within that battalion, within that shift and and department. So that stuff is contagious. So I, I would I would in, in, uh, encourage everybody if they're if they're listening to this, create your own culture. Right, that comes from within. It comes from individuals, so that we can create something you know bigger than ourselves and be part of something like that. Nah, for sure. We we just did some search training countywide last week, and something we had stolen from Jim McCormick and FDTN was not simply bringing the victims out, uh, dumping them out a window or dumping them out the front door, but we actually made everybody take them to a cone, um, which what we found was people it, people paused when they were doing a VES because they're like, if I dump them out the window, I have to get out the window, receive them, and still take them all the way up front, whereas before they said, I can dump them out the window, and then I don't have to do a drag. So you could see that pause, but I like what you're saying about even one step further that if there's nobody to pass them off to, you own that patient, which is really good. Yeah. Because honestly, that's what happened on this scene, right? Like I, I I had, I had occupants now. I know, I know, I mean, I had um, victims, but I know the victims inside were worse off than the victims outside, but we have to have units for these victims or we can't just keep them in the grass. We have to treat these, these, these people. Right. So it's something that really opened my eyes because I know how we train all the time and we do, but uh, we do a really good job of training also, but it's just something that really opened my eyes and it became real to me when, when, when you're looking at it, you know? Well, cool. Well, Joe, I appreciate you sharing the story. That seems like you guys are doing all the right things in Palm beach County with, uh, with, with jumping on that search culture uh, to anybody listening. If you guys get a grab, uh, ask you to go to firefighter rescue survey, fill out that short survey, that information's for us by us. And that's how we train and get better and figure out what's actually happening on the fire ground. If you're willing to share the grab story, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Nick Ladine, or Justin McWilliams. And until next time, thanks for listening.